This is week number two of my sermon series that I've entitled, Getting Your Act Together. This series is a step-by-step plan that is absolutely guaranteed to help you clean up your messy life. If you're unhappy, if your life just always seems to be full of turmoil, if you feel guilty because you know in your heart that you're your own worst enemy, you keep making the same poor choices over and over again, then this series is especially for you. It is designed to help you clean up the mess and get your act together. Now, last week, I talked about step number one in this process, which is um, to improve your attitude, to change the way you think. That's where it has to start. But today, we're ready for step number two, which is to do the right thing even if you don't feel like it. Wouldn't it be great if you always felt like doing the right thing? If you always felt like doing what needs to be done. Ladies, when you walk into your laundry room and you see that big pile of laundry there, do you ever look at that pile of laundry and say, I wish it was bigger? I just love doing laundry. Do you ever holler at your family members and say, come on, guys, get me some more laundry down here? You, you young parents, when your baby wakes up at 2 a.m., do you open your eyes and say, thank you, Jesus, I was hoping she would wake up? <laughs> guys, when you look out at your lawn, do you ever sit there and look at that grass and say, come on, grow, grow. I can't wait to mow again. Something tells me you never have those feelings about those jobs, but wouldn't it be great if you did? Wouldn't it be great if every job, every task, every responsibility you had was just plain old fun? And along that same line, think about how wonderful life would be if everything you loved to eat was actually good for you. (laughs) What what if you went to your doctor and your doctor said, you know, you're just going to have to start eating more pizza. (laughs) I'm going to write you out a prescription. I want you to have a bowl of ice cream every night before you go to bed. What if the nutritional value of broccoli and Krispy Kreme donuts was reversed? (laughs) Wouldn't that be the greatest thing in the world? I've always said, if if I could be God for a day, (laughs) just one day, if, if I could be God for five minutes, that'd be my first act. Switch broccoli and Krispy Kreme donuts. Then I would work on world peace. But the broccoli and the donuts would come first. Unfortunately, this is not how life works. So much of what we need to do in life is difficult, at times unpleasant, and this is one of the main reasons why so many people are leading messed up lives. They're choosing to do only what they want to do. They're choosing to do only what feels good in the moment. 
And as a result, they are not doing the things they need to do. And even in this room right now, I'm sure some of you need to be doing some things you're not doing. Maybe you need to quit smoking. Maybe you need to knuckle down this year and do better in school. Maybe you need to get out of an unhealthy relationship that is tearing you apart. Maybe you need to apologize to someone. Maybe you need to improve your diet. Maybe you need to quit drinking. Maybe you need to get more exercise. Maybe you need to quit spending so much money so foolishly. Maybe you need to start tithing. Maybe you need to be more regular in church. Maybe you need to pray more. There are any number of things you may need to be doing, but you're not doing them. Because you don't feel like it. Because you don't want to. Because they're hard. And so you can't get motivated. And if that is the case, then it is a certainty that your life is not as good as it could be. Now what I want to do right now is give you a statement that I want you to memorize. Okay, you memorize this statement, and the next time you get into a situation where you need to do something, but you don't feel like it, I want you to say this to yourself. Okay, here's the statement. It's easier to act yourself into a better way of feeling than it is to feel yourself into a better way of acting. That's the statement you need to memorize. It's easier to act yourself into a better way of feeling than it is to feel yourself into a better way of acting. You know why that's true? It's true because feelings follow actions. Feelings follow actions. Can you say that with me out loud? Feelings follow actions. You can do better. Feelings follow actions. In other words, if you do the right thing, then great feelings will follow. Feelings follow actions. Most of the people in this world whose lives are messed up are assuming the opposite is true. They think actions follow feelings. And so they're sitting around with all this stuff that needs to be done in their lives, all these things that need to be changed, they're sitting around waiting for the feeling to come so they can get up and do it. They're sitting around waiting to get inspired. They're sitting around waiting to feel motivated. And that feeling isn't coming. And so they're just sitting there, and nothing good is happening for them. Nothing is changing. Nothing is getting any better because they're not doing what they need to do. And the longer they sit there waiting for this feeling to come, the more unhappy, the more disillusioned they become, the messier their lives get. Jesus understood this, and he hammered it in his teaching. Again and again and again, Jesus talked about this. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Matthew 5. And if you don't have a Bible, we'll throw it up on the screen for you. Matthew 5, I'm going to begin reading at verse 38. These are the words of Jesus. He says, you have heard the law that says the punishment must match the injury. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. 
Now let's imagine somebody just walks up to you. Maybe you've had a conflict of some sort. Somebody just walks up to you and hauls off and slaps you across the face. And I mean hard, pow, right across the face. What will your reaction be? Will you say, ooh, that felt good. Do the other one. Yeah, I don't think so. I think your feelings would lead you to a different response. And so clearly here, Jesus is telling us to do something that we're not going to feel like doing. Look at verse 40. Jesus says, if you are sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat too. Verse 44, I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. You know what? If the average person had to wait until he felt like doing any of this, he would never do it. These are things you are never, ever going to feel like doing. But Jesus says do them anyway. Because they're right. Because they honor God. And because they start producing positive results in your life. And so we come back to the central truth of this message. If you want to get your act together, if you want to clean up the mess in your life, if you want to chart a, a brighter future for yourself, start doing the right thing even when you don't feel like it. I want to mention three things this morning that will happen to you. If you do the right thing, even when you don't feel like it. Now, these things are guaranteed to happen to you. They are guaranteed to happen to you. If you do the right thing, even when you don't feel like it. First of all, you will notice a lessening of your load of guilt. People whose lives are messed up always carry guilt. And that is because they know that they are at least partly to blame for their problems. People whose lives are a mess will frequently pass the buck. They'll talk about how they've been mistreated. They'll, they'll name a dozen different things that have caused their lives to be messed up. But deep down, they know they are at least partly to blame because they have made some poor choices along the way. And in some cases, they've made those poor choices over and over and over and over again. And there is guilt in that. And friends, guilt is a terrible thing to live with. Do you remember Edgar Allan Poe's story, The Telltale Heart? It was about a murderer who couldn't sleep at night because he kept hearing the beating heart of his victim. Only it wasn't really the beating heart of his victim he was hearing. It was his conscience. And it haunted him to the point that he finally revealed that he was the murderer. The English poet Nicholas Rowe called guilt an avenging fiend that follows along behind you with a whip. That's a striking image, isn't it? William Wordsworth said that from a single guilty deed, 
a thousand haunting thoughts proceed. King David in the Bible experienced that one. You may remember that when his affair with Bathsheba was exposed, um, he wrote, I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. In other words, he was saying, I feel guilty all the time. But maybe the best example of the power, the devastating power of guilt in the Bible is, um, is found in the life of Judas. You may remember that uh, after he betrayed Jesus, he felt so guilty that he went out and hung himself. Friends, guilt is a life wrecker. It is a life wrecker. Satan knows this. This is why he uses it. Uh, Revelation chapter 2 and verse 10, Satan is called the accuser. The accuser. That's what he loves to do. He'll come up and get in your ear and he'll accuse you of all kinds of things, and some of his accusations may even be true. But he'll accuse you. He'll accuse you of being this or doing that because he knows that you're going to feel guilty when these thoughts get in your head. And he understands that guilt is a life wrecker. Guilt robs you of your joy. It makes you feel bad about yourself. It makes you uh, feel like a failure. It makes you feel unworthy of God's love or anybody else's love for that matter. Guilt is a life wrecker. And the simplest, fastest, quickest way to lessen your load of guilt is to start doing the right thing. Even if you don't feel like it. It will lessen your load of guilt. Secondly, if you do the right thing even when you don't feel like it, you will start producing better results in your life. That's because of the law of sowing and reaping. It's found in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7. It says, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. You will always reap what you sow. For example, if you dedicate yourself to your job, to your career, over your family, if you're always at work and you're never at home, you are going to reap a harvest of unhappiness and discontentment in your marriage and in your family. If you handle your money foolishly and recklessly, you spend it on stuff you don't need, you are going to reap a harvest of financial trouble. If you smoke cigarettes and eat junk and never get any exercise, you are going to reap a harvest of bad health. Friends, this is not some theory that has been proposed that may be true sometimes. This is an eternal law. Notice, Paul says, you will always harvest what you plant. Now, here's the good news, and, and there's a ton of good news here. The good news is that the law of sowing and reaping will work for you just the same as it works against you. In fact, most people would never dream this is true, but dramatically changing the course of your life and the quality of your life is the simplest thing in the world to do. I didn't say it was easy. Simple and easy are not necessarily the same thing. 
But dramatically changing the course, the direction, the quality of your life is the simplest thing in the world to do. And when I say simple, I mean there is no mystery to it. There is no mysterious secret that you have to seek. There is no mysterious formula that you have to find. You already have the secret. You already have the formula. It's called the law of sowing and reaping. All you have to do is start using it to your benefit instead of to your detriment. Instead of constantly planting seeds that are going to come back and haunt you later, you start planting seeds that are going to come back and bless you later. And that means doing the right thing even when you don't feel like it. Even when maybe doing the wrong thing would bring you some sort of benefit or some sort of advantage in the moment, you do the right thing and you trust that if you plant enough good seeds and do the right thing again and again and again, it is going to come back and bless you and make your life better. Amen. I, I read about the founder and owner of a highly successful construction company and and he was being interviewed of one of those leadership kind of things and during the interview he was he was asked if his company ever cuts corners like when you're building a gigantic building there are a lot of little things you can do in there to save a little money here save a little money there and I love the guy's answer he said no we never cut corners because we understand a simple truth we understand that we build our buildings and then our buildings build us. Whatever we do on that construction site is either going to come back to bite us or bless us. And he was right. You build your building, if you do a good job, your building's going to build you. It's true in your life and mine. You make your choices, then your choices are going to make you for better or worse. That is the law of sowing and reaping. It works for everybody. Every person in this room can use the law of sowing and reaping to build a better life. Thirdly, if you do the right thing, even when you don't feel like it, you will become more productive. A lot of people feel discouraged because they've never really done anything with their lives. The years are slipping by. They may have had hopes and dreams and things they wanted to accomplish, and they've just never, never done them. Back in the 1990s, I spent about five years um, telling myself and a few close friends that I was going to write a book. But during that five-year period, I didn't write a single sentence. So one day, a friend of mine that I hadn't seen in about five years was visiting, and we were talking, and, and some people were standing around. Several people heard this conversation. And this friend looked at me and said, Hey, Mark, did you ever write that book you said you were going to write? And I was humiliated and embarrassed because five years had gone by since I told him that and I hadn't written a single word. And that was a wake-up call to me. I realized that if I was ever going to write a book, which is what I wanted to do, I was going to have to make 
the time to do it. The reason I hadn't written is because I was busy. I was the pastor of this church. My daughter was a lot younger in those days. I was being a dad, a husband, a pastor. I couldn't find the time during my day to write. And so I realized that if I was going to ever write a book, I was going to have to find time. And looking at my life and my schedule, and I decided the only way I was going to find time was to tack some time onto the beginning of my day. In other words, get up early and write before my regular day began. And so I decided I was going to get up every day at 5 a.m. and write for one hour. Um, I did not want to do that. <laughs> I am not particularly a morning person. Um, the thought of getting up every day at 5 a.m. and writing did not appeal to me at all. But I was embarrassed and ashamed enough that I decided I was going to do it. And you can ask my wife, every day at 5 a.m. for about a year, I got up and wrote. Uh, most days I staggered to my computer. There was not one night during that year that I looked forward to getting up at 5 a.m. when I went to bed. Not one. But because I did what I did not want to do, I can now stand here and talk about the 11 books I have written instead of having to stand here and make excuses about why I've never done the things I said I was going to do. And I don't know what it is you've always thought you would do. I don't know what it is that you've always wanted to do. I don't know what it is that you've been telling other people you were going to do. But I will tell you this. Doing the right thing when you don't want to is what will turn you from a talker into a doer. And how much happier would you be? How much more at peace with yourself would you be? How much more content with your life would you be if you could finally do what you've always wanted to do? If you could finally accomplish what you've always had in your heart to do, instead of making excuses, instead of telling people why you can't do it, you do it. You, you do what you don't want to do to make it a reality, to make your dream come true. And I'll tell you, when you put these three things together, lessening your load of guilt, producing better results in your daily life, and making yourself more productive, you put those three things together and they are a gigantic step in the direction of you getting your act together. And it all happens when you do the right thing even when you don't want to. Now, there's one more issue I want to address on this subject, and that is an objection I've heard from a lot of people. If you start talking about these kind of things, there are people who will say, eh, I don't know. If, if you do something and, and you don't really want to and your heart's not in it, you're just a hypocrite. And there will be people who will say, you know, I, I know I ought to forgive him, but I'm really angry right now and I'm not going to forgive him because I know if I forgave him, I'd just be a hypocrite. Or I know I ought to get back in church. I know I haven't been to church for a long time, but I'm not in a good place spiritually right now. And I know if I went to church, I'd just be a hypocrite. 
Well, it is true that we should avoid hypocritical behavior at all times. Hypocrisy is a terrible sin. However, what I'm talking about today has nothing to do with hypocrisy. Hypocrisy, by definition, is an attempt to deceive. If you act a certain way that isn't really you, in order to make people believe things about you that aren't true, that is hypocrisy. That is a sin. But that's not what we're talking about here. I'm talking about you deciding to do something because you want to improve the quality of your life. You're not trying to fool anybody. You're not trying to trick anybody. You have no other agenda. You're not trying to gain an advantage over people. You're simply establishing new behavior patterns because the old ones aren't working. Basically, you're trying to climb out of a hole. You're trying to climb out of a rut that you've been in. Now, people who are part of Alcoholics Anonymous understand this. They often use uh, the saying, fake it till you make it. And they use that saying not because they're trying to trick people. They use that saying not because they're, they're really into hypocrisy. No, they use that saying because they understand that a person's first steps in a new direction are often really hard, painful, really, really difficult. And sometimes those first steps, well, you just kind of have to fake it. And you just keep taking those steps until they start to feel more normal. You fake it, Till you make it. it has nothing to do with hypocrisy you're not trying to trick anybody you're not trying to fool anybody this is all about you trying to get your act together so step number two if you want to get your act together is to do the right thing even when you don't feel like it always remember that it's easier to act yourself into a better way of feeling than it is to feel yourself into a better way of acting. Amen. Let's stand. Father in heaven, I know that sometimes doing the right thing is really hard, especially when we haven't been doing it and we've got bad habits. Sometimes it means leaving familiar routines, maybe relationships, sometimes even family members behind who are not supportive of our choices. Lord, I lift up to you today every person in this room who longs for a better life. Give them the desire and the courage to make those hard changes and then bless them when they do. Show them what a wonderful thing the law of sowing and reaping can be. I pray these things in Jesus' name.